Easter morn, March 30, 1975, second service. The Gospel according to Matthew, the 28th verse, beginning at the first verse of the 28th chapter. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the sepulcher. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly. And tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee, there you will see him. Lo, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Hail! And they came up and took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Amen. sent Jesus Christ to this earth to do three things. One, to teach and show people how to live. Two, to teach and show people how to die. And three, to do both without fear. Jesus sums this up beautifully when he said, I have come that ye might have life, and might have it abundantly. But God, ever since the beginning of his time, has had a very difficult time in getting people in the presence of life and death to live by faith. It seems we'd much rather live by fear. On that first Christmas, when God sent down his Son here on earth. Before the angel of the Lord could announce to all of the world that unto us was born that night in the city of David a Savior who was Christ the Lord, God first had to speak through that angel to frightened shepherds, and his words were, Do not be afraid. 
When he was 30 years old and began his public ministry, whether he was sailing upon the seas or striding up the sands of Palestine, there was only one message that he had to both saint and sinner. And it was this. Do not be afraid. On that last night of his earthly life before the crucifixion, after the dinner party that he had had with his disciples, Jesus told his friends that he would have to go now and leave them, but not to worry, because God would send forth another comforter in the name of Jesus. And that comforter, the Holy Spirit, he will come unto you and teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You know that. You just read it in the innocent reading this morning. And then Jesus gave unto those disciples one of the greatest gifts he can give to any one of us. He gave them his peace. Peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. God gave, you see, by the power of the Holy Spirit, this ability not to fear. Yet within 24 hours, the disciples of our Lord fled with fear as they forsook our Christ as he died. As some of us felt here in this very sanctuary Friday night, when you're there, when you crucify our Lord, it's an experience that makes us tremble, tremble, tremble. On Easter morning then, I don't think God was surprised when he found in Jerusalem people who were frightened and the angel of the Lord who came this time to roll away the stone to allow our Lord to be resurrected he found absolutely no difference in the people and in their attitudes that he did when he came on Christmas Eve to announce to the world the birth of that Christ you remember on that first night he said, do not be afraid. And here he is on Easter morn, as he said on Christmas Eve, the same thing, do not be afraid. Nearly 2,000 years have passed, and today is Easter 1975. And we have people here today who are filled with fear. I'm suggesting that perhaps a reason why some of us are frightened can be found in the reasons that made some of those people frightened on that first Easter. The sh sh soldiers, you see, were frightened. They were frightened because they did not understand anything about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that they became so frightened that they trembled as dead men. I've never seen a dead man tremble, but I guess this is the Bible's way of saying they were scared to death. And the reason that they were scared to death was that 
They had no knowledge about God or his son, Jesus Christ. They did not know that Easter came to tell the world and to prove to the world that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he can save sins, and that he has prepared a room for his children in the house of heaven. They didn't know that. In ignorance, they were that first Easter day, and they were nothing more than frightened people. I can remember when I stood in this pulpit for the first Easter Sunday. I preached on a text which is still my favorite Easter sermon, but one that Paul uses in the first letter that he wrote to the Christians at Corinth, the 15th chapter. And I tried to develop the outline as Paul does it there in that great chapter where he says, If Christ be not risen, our preaching is in vain, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins, and our loved ones who have died in Jesus, they have perished. I worked hard on that sermon, and I felt God had blessed it. And sitting, seated out there where you are this morning, was a man who attended this church. He lived in our community then. He was not a member. He, like so many, would bring his children to Sunday school. He would be in that group that I call the Sweatshirt Brigade. He would drive on home to read the newspaper and then come back at 12 o'clock and religiously pick up his children and take them home. He was one of those that didn't bring his family to church. He sent them. But this was Easter. And he came that day, and he came to worship. Now put your mind at ease right now. He's not the one that you're thinking about. He's another person. But on Tuesday morning, I got a letter in the mail telling me that he had been greatly moved during that worship service. And though he'd been a member of the church for many years, that was the first time he understood why Jesus had to die and why there was the glorious resurrection. Now, I present that story to you, not trying to pick at that particular man, nor the church of which he was a part, nor the preacher who preached to him whenever he did appear. But I simply point up the fact that it's altogether possible on this Easter day to have people in any church who perhaps are members of that congregation, who attend church schools, send their children, and yet have not the faintest idea of why Jesus Christ was resurrected. And consequently today, though their bodies might be here, their spirits are filled with fear, for they know not what they believe. Some people on that first Easter were frightened, because, you see, they did not expect on that day to meet face to face the resurrected Lord. The women, Mary and that other Mary, they went, they went that Easter to a funeral, not to a resurrection. They did not come expecting to see Jesus. Instead, all they brought were their troubles. Who's going to move the stone for us? Not knowing that the angel of the Lord had already taken care of that problem. 
Like so many of us, they were worrying about something that would never happen for them. Reverend Burders told this story, I've told it too. It's one that any preacher who's trying to be an instrument, an angel of the Lord, uses to try to keep his congregation on the alert and excited about what it is to meet the living Lord. This young preacher, he didn't feel any power in the pulpit. He felt there was no fruit to his ministry, and he was discouraged, so he went to one of the great old masters in our great preaching profession, Dr. Charles Spurgeon, and he said, Dr. Spurgeon, what's wrong with me? What's wrong? Wise old prince of the pulpit said, well, you certainly don't expect a conversion every time you preach, do you? The young man thought about it and said, well, no. Well, that's just why you don't have them, he said. That's just it. Expect great things from God. That was William Carey's motto when he was the father of the modern missionary movement. Expect great things from God, and then you can attempt great things for him. Some of us are scared to death simply because we don't expect God to speak or to act. How many of you came here today expecting to come face to face with the presence of our living Lord? You see what I mean? When you don't live on that edge of expectancy, there's only one thing that can fill your soul, and that's fear. And instead of moving mountains, as we were made to do, we trip over anthills of despair. When you don't expect Jesus, you see, it's very difficult for you to recognize him when he's here in his spirit. And that's why some people are frightened this morning. It's not that they don't expect him. They don't recognize him when he's in our midst. That's what happened to the two men on the road to Emmaus. Jesus came and was with them. But the scripture said their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He talked with them, but he was like a stranger. And it was not until they stopped talking and started listening. When they invited him into their homes, when they allowed him to sit down and break bread and open the scriptures to them, it was only then that their hearts began to warm within them and they felt and knew and recognized the presence of the living Lord. You see, that's it. You people who are in hospitals, in nursing homes, and are listening right now, together with all of us who are here, God works for the good in all things. And some of us are here today simply because we have recognized Christ at every bend in the road. Every friendship that has come our way, every new experience, no matter how glorious or how ugly. We believed, though we did not know what was happening, and hated to know that it was happening, our consolation, strength, and power was knowing that God was working somehow there for the good. We 
recognize him. The Spirit of the Lord, no matter what happens, no matter what, that's what keeps you going. Not filling, filling your life with fear, asking, oh Lord, what have I done? Why me, Lord? It's believing in faith, though you cannot understand it, and nobody will even help you to believe it, that you know deep down within yourself that behind all of this, God is working for the good. I don't care what sickness you have. I don't care what kind of surgery you're facing. I don't care what kind of setback you've had. I don't care what kind of real suspicion is trying to frighten your life right now. God's there. God's there and for God's sake, recognize him. And there's only one way you can do it, and that's by believing. And you see, most people did not believe on that first Easter day because they refused. They refused to believe the testimony of those who had seen and felt and known the living presence of Jesus Christ. That's what happened to Thomas. Do you realize that Thomas had to live eight days longer with fear? simply because he would not believe the testimony of his friends who had seen Jesus on that first Easter night. Now Thomas was not with them there in the upper room when Jesus came and, and met the other disciples. And all week long they kept saying, Thomas, we have seen him, he's alive. Well, he says, Thomas, unless I see with my own eyes and touch with my own hands, I will not believe. So he didn't believe, and he led a horrible, filled, fear-filled life for eight more days until Jesus did finally appear unto him. Look, Thomas, look at me. Touch me. Oh, Lord, my Lord, my God. Have you believed, Thomas, because you have seen Ask Jesus, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. When Jesus made that statement, he was talking about you and me, ladies and gentlemen. You and me living at the Easter 1975. Because he knew what we better best understand. The Lord will not appear unto us. On this Easter day, resurrected from the grave. He's already done that, you see. Jesus has already once died and once been resurrected. He now sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge in the quick and the dead. Jesus cannot come back and show to us again his resurrected being. He's already done that. And if we are going to believe it, we will have to believe it on the testimony of those who have seen and experienced the resurrected Lord. There's no other way. God has no more aces up his sleeve. Everything that he has, everything that he could do, he has done. And all we can do is believe it 
or not believe it. <clears throat> Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. God did not give us a spirit of fear, ladies and gentlemen, but a power of love and of a sound mind. And what that means is he has given us the ability to have faith. And the only way you get rid of fear is by having faith. And the amount of fear that we have in our lives will depend in proportion on the amount of faith we have in our belief. Well, I hope today you're asking yourself the question, why am I frightened? And I hope by the Spirit of God blessing this message and this worship service, and somehow you have been able to see how you can take the courage to believe that you were made not for fear, but for faith. And realize that according to your faith, it so shall be unto you. Thanks be to God, who has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's be on our way and start moving mountains. Amen. And happy Easter. Well, Father and God, you've given us so much. It's been quite an experience traveling through this Holy Week with you. We believe that you have been leading us and guiding us. And now, Father, it's up to us to make the decision. This is the moment of truth. There's really nothing more that you can do to help us. We either believe you or we don't. Help us, no matter what tomorrow brings, to place all of our faith in you this day, knowing that we are gambling with our life, but believing we are right. And now, may the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and dominion and power forever and ever. Amen.